0: Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analysing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. Today we're looking back at chapter 21 of Twilight, titled Phone Call. And speaking of titles, like, that's not the best one. The titles on this book are pretty shit, generally. Like, last chapter was just called Impatience. This one's Phone Call. We've had Goodbyes. Like, very generic. But hey... That's just a small gripe to start us off. So Bella's just been doing a stint in hotel quarantine with Jasper and Alice. Alice got a vision of Bella's ballet studio and Bella leaves a message for her mum just giving her the phone number that she can be reached at because that's just a sensible thing to do when you're getting tracked by a tracker. So she wakes up and she says it was too early and she knew she was getting the schedule of her days and nights slowly reversed. So she's already turning into a vampire, sleeping in the day. And awake at night, but of course, not these vampires because they don't sleep at all, so scratch that. But she lays in bed listening to the quiet voices of Alice and Jasper in the other room. So she's in that shitty motel, and you know how shitty motels have notoriously thin walls, so she can just hear their quiet voices from the other room. But Bella thinks it's strange that she can hear them because they're normally quiet talkers, so she's like, I'm gonna go check it out. So she goes to the living room and she sees that the clock on the TV said it was just after two in the morning. Do TVs have clocks? I don't think I've ever seen a TV with a clock on it. And also I didn't, I'm not sure if I catch this, but the other room's a living room. I thought it was like an adjoining room with a couch cause I'm picturing a shitty roadside motel, but what kind of roadside motel has an extra living room? Maybe they are staying in a nice hotel with lamps bolted down. No, I, I can't, I can't get a handle on this hotel situation. But anyway, Alice is just there sketching again. And she's like, oh, did she see something else? And Jasper says, yes, something has brought him back to the room with the VCR, but it's daylight now. And I mean, she describes the room in great detail. I think I'll spare you guys from hearing that because I mean, it's just a fucking room. She's describing walls and what the floors look like. Like we can picture a room, but the point is, Bella says, the phone goes over there. And then Alice and Jasper are like, oh, what's that? And two pairs of eternal eyes stare at her. And she's like, yeah, that's my mum's house. And Alice is like, shit. And she's off the couch, phone in hand, dialing up Carlisle. And I'm thinking, why didn't you wake her up as soon as you got the vision then? Because clearly it's her house. What other house would it be? He's not going to Phoenix to visit the museum. Why do they think that's so wild that he'll be at her house, which is around the corner from the ballet studio, which we already know he's going to? Why, why are they not putting this together? So Jasper slides over and he touches his hand on her shoulder and the physical contact makes his calming influence seem stronger. And guys, remember like when Jasper couldn't even stand near Bella because he's young and he's not got the amount of self-control as the others and he might accidentally kill her. But now he's like, let's snuggle on the couch, putting his arm around her. We're just f- forgetting the fact that he's not got the best self-control, but whatever. And Alice is like, Bella, Edward's coming to get you. He, Emmett, and Carlisle are going to take you somewhere to hide for a while. And she's like, oh yay, Edward's coming. (laughs) And she says, yes, he's catching the first flight out of Seattle. We'll meet him at the airport and you'll leave with him. (laughs) So now Edward's going on a plane. In the first flight out, that means morning. That means sunshine. He's flying above the clouds, people. I guess he's just going to keep his window shade down to try and stop from going sparkly. But you know they have to be up for taxi and takeoff and for landing. That's like a safety thing. So what's he going to do then? What's he going to do when they we're about to land, please stow your tray tables and, and open up your window shades? He's going to be screwed. A morning flight for a vampire? I draw the line. This book is ridiculous. A morning flight for a vampire. <sighs> and airports are notoriously bright. They have a lot of a lot of window walls. So, uh, so he's just gonna, what, wear sunnies in a trench coat and like a hat at an airport. You're gonna look like a terrorist. How bizarre, how bizarre. So Alice is like, yeah, we'll meet him at the airport and then Edward's gonna take you off to hide somewhere. And she's like, well, what about my mum? And Alice says, Jasper and I will stay back and look after your mum. And she's like, but we can't just keep protecting everybody I know. Like, this is what he's doing. He's going to hunt down someone I love and he'll hurt them. And I'm sorry, but like, you've already got Esme and Rosalie covering Charlie. Alice and Jasper have said they'll cover your mum. Who else does she love? She doesn't really like Jessica and Angela from Trig. She doesn't really like Chess Club Eric. But Alice is like, don't worry, we'll, we'll find him, we'll win. And then she says, but what if you get hurt, Alice? Do you think that's okay with me? Do you think it's only my human family that he can hurt me with? Wow, so she's already thinking of the Cullens as her family, as her vampire family. Like, mate, they haven't even invited you over for Christmas yet. Like, you're not, you've not even been involved in their, like, secret Santa inner circle. So why are you calling them Fam Bam? Also, you met them two days ago. But then it's at this point that Alice looks at Jasper and then a deep, heavy fog of lethargy washed over her and she closed her eyes without permission and her mind struggling against the fog. So, oh my God, Jasper is doping her up. I knew it. I knew it. And if Jasper's got that power over her, like just do that all the time. All the time. But no, once she realizes what's happening, she's like, steps away from Jasper and she's like, I don't want to go to sleep. So she goes to the other room and she slams the door just to be alone. And again, I'm thinking Jasper's powers do not work through walls. Even though she can hear them whispering through the walls, they're that thin. They're still not thin enough for Jasper's calming effects to get through the walls. So then she's just in the other room, curled in a ball, rocking and crying for the next three and a half hours. And she just, she can't see any way out of the predicament that wouldn't get someone else hurt. And then the phone rings. So as soon as the phone rings, she runs into the front room, again, because you can hear through the walls, but you can't feel through the walls. And so now it's 5.30 in the morning, and Jasper's not there, and Alice is talking rapidly on the phone. And she says, they're just boarding the plane, they'll land at 9.45. So yes, it's a morning flight. The sun's up by then, guys. I, I'm really interested to see how they handle this whole landing in daylight thing. It must be a commercial flight on Forks Airways. Otherwise, if they did have a private jet like I had considered in my head, they would have come already. So it's a, it's a commercial flight. They're flying on Forks Airways, landing at 9.45 a.m., Presumably wearing a trench coat, looking like a terrorist. I just don't see how this is a plan. I can't wait to watch the movie after reading this book. So I really want to see how they handled this whole flight business. Like, who'd have thought a book about a vampire falling in love with a human, there would be this much discussion about flights and airports. Not me. And Jasper's not there because he's checking out because Alice and Jasper are going to relocate closer to her mother's house. And then the phone rings again and Alice looks surprised. And then Bella walks forward, reaching for the phone. And Alice is like, no, I'm going to answer the phone, Bella. Who do you think you are? But also why was Alice surprised? Worst fortune teller ever. And Alice is on the phone and she's, oh yeah, she's right here. And she holds the phone out to Bella and she's like, it's your mother. And so Bella's like, hello? With like a question mark. Last chapter, she, she asked her mother to call her on that number. And now she's saying, hello, with a question mark, like, what's the question? You asked her to call. Why are you giving her a question? Uh, Who cares? And then her mom's like, Bella, Bella. And Bella's like, oh my God, she sounds really panicked. And Bella, of course, is like annoyed at how panicked she sounded. She's like, calm down, mom. She's like, just give me a minute and I'll explain everything. And then she's like, wait a minute, mom's not interrupting me. And she's like, mom. She hears a different voice. It says, be very careful not to say anything until I tell you to. And she says the voice was unfamiliar and unexpected. She says it was a man's tenor voice. (laughs) Oh my God, Bella has so many skills. She's a lip reader. She has architecture knowledge at her wazoo. She's a home chef. And now she, she can detect a vocal range from just one sentence over the phone. She knows if you're a tenor or a baritone or a bass. She knows what key you should sing in. She's just, she's musically trained. That's what I have to assume. She's, she's got a musically, classically trained ear. So yeah, he has a tenor voice, hilarious. But his voice is also pleasant and generic. The kind of voice you heard in the background of luxury car commercials. <laughs> has anyone picturing James so far? thought that his voice would sound like he should be in a car commercial because I thought they were trying to play off like he's super menacing, but no, no, he sounds like he's from a commercial. So he says quickly in his car commercial voice, he's like, I don't need to hurt your mother. So please do exactly as I say, and she'll be fine. <laughs> Is that how he speaks? Is that how a car commercial speaks? I guess. And he's like, that's good. So then she doesn't say anything. She's listening in mute horror and he's like, that's good. Now repeat after me and try to sound natural. Please say no, mum, stay where you are. (laughs) And she says, no, mum, stay where you are. He's bantering with her and he's like, oh, I can see this is gonna be difficult. And he says, why don't you walk into another room so your face doesn't ruin everything? So he's like, say, please, mum, listen to me. So she's like, please, mum, listen to me. So she walks into the other room and like shuts the door, but we all know that these walls are thin. So she still can't talk freely. James is like, they can still hear you, right? And she's like, well, yeah, because we're in a shitty hotel, but also they're they're vampires. They have super hearing, right? Oh, wait. Also, why can't Alice hear James's voice through the phone? Super hearing. She said last chapter, us vampires, we have a lot of skills. You know, we've got enhanced senses. So surely she'd be able to hear what's happening at the other end of a mobile, right? She'd be able to hear the other side of the convo. I think she most definitely would because in other chats where she's been on the phone with Carlisle, I swear Jasper's just standing next to her, just like listening in as well because they have super hearing, (sighs) but I guess not, I guess not. So anyway, James is on the phone with her and he's like, say, Mum, trust me. So she says, "Mum, trust me. And he says, this has all worked out really great. Oh no, he says it as a car salesman. So he says, this worked out better than expected. I was prepared to wait, but your mother arrived ahead of schedule. It's easier that way, isn't it? Less suspense, less anxiety for you. And he says, I want you to listen carefully. I'm gonna need you to get away from your friends. Do you think you can do that? And she says, nope. And he says, oh really? I was hoping you'd sort of be more creative since your mother's life depends on it. And she's like, oh, okay, fine. I'll be creative. So she says, somehow there had to be a way. I remembered that we were going to the airport, Sky Harbor International Airport. Crowdy, confusingly laid out. Ah, oh, this is the second time that she's said the name of the airport in Phoenix like we care. Stefan is just like flexing her knowledge of Phoenix airport. So she's like, yes, okay, If my mum's life depends on it. I'm sure I can get away from him. So she says, yes. And he says, that's better. And he says, I'm sure it won't be easy, but if I get the slightest hint that you have company, well, it would be very bad for your mother. And he says, you must know enough about vampires by now to realize that I would know if you tried to bring anyone along with you and how little time I would need to kill your mother. Do you understand? And she says, yes. And he says, oh, that's good, Bella. So he's like, now I want you to go to your mother's house. And next to the phone, there will be a number. You call it and then I'll tell you where to go from there. And Bella's like, it's the ballet studio. I already know. But she doesn't say that. And she says, yep. Okay. And he says, before noon, Bella, I haven't got all day. (laughs) Kind of loving James. Kind of love his confidence. It's very admirable. And maybe it's just it's just nice to have another character in the mix. You know, we've only had Bella and Charlie, the Cullens, Mike, Tyler, Eric, Angela and Jessica. Not a huge cast of characters. So it's nice to have someone else in the mix. And so James says, it's important that you don't make your friends suspicious. So when you go back, just tell them that your mother called and you talked her out of coming home for the time being. Now say, thank you, mum. And she says, thank you, mum. And he says, say, I love you. And so she says, I love you. And he says, goodbye, Bella. I look forward to seeing you again. And then he hangs up. Oh, the tension. But it's so confusing because that whole charade that he just went through was to get Bella to say stuff on the other end of the line for Alice's benefit because she can hear from the other room because she's a vampire and the walls are thin. But Bella just said yes and I love you and goodbye. She never explained what's going on, so she kept saying, "Mum, I'll explain." "Mum, I'll explain." But then she never explained. So anyone listening into that convo will be like thinking that Renee did all the talking because James did all the talking and Bella said shit all. But now. Bella goes back into the room with Alice and she's gonna play like she just talked her mother out of coming to Phoenix early. And it's like, Alice would have heard that that didn't happen. But Alice doesn't call her up on it. Anyway, I'm jumping ahead. So where are we? So she gets off the phone with James and she's frozen with terror and she doesn't know what to do. But all she can think about is the sound of her mum's panic. And she says, well, I need to plan. And she says, I have no choice but one, to go to the mirrored room and die. And Bella, why are you calling it the mirrored room? You know, it's the ballet studio. You know, the streets, you know, the cross streets, but she's calling it the mirrored room for, I don't know, our benefit. I don't know. And she's thinking there's no way that James would guarantee that he would leave my mother alive, but I'm just going to have to hope that I can take his word for it and keep Renee alive after he kills me. And it's like, Bella, do you really think you could take Psycho Tracker's word for it. He's not really an upstanding gentleman. Even if he does sound like one. So she pushes the terror back and she says, my decision was made. It was no good wasting time agonizing. She's like, now my my main issue is getting rid of Jasper and Alice. She says it was absolutely essential, but also absolutely impossible. And she says she was grateful that Jasper wasn't there because if he could feel her anguish, then he would have known. And like, yeah, well, he can still feel whatever you're feeling when he comes back. So if you're feeling sketchy, surely he's gonna feel you being sketchy. And if you're lying, surely he'll be able to feel that you're lying. But we all know Jasper and Alice don't have good control over their powers. They don't. But she's like, okay, I'll choke back all the dread and the anxiety I feel so he doesn't notice it. Oh, wow, guys. For any of you who suffer from anxiety out there, Have you ever just tried suppressing it? Because apparently that works. Apparently Bella's just like, you know what? I'm gonna stifle this anxiety and then I won't feel anxious anymore. And she's cracked the code, guys. All you've got to do is just try and stifle it and that'll do the trick. So she's thinking, how am I gonna escape? And she expects that because she's familiar with the airport, that will help her. (laughs) And it's like, hun, You're trying to run from a fortune teller. I mean, yeah, she's shit, but surely you've got to suspect that she's going to catch on eventually, right? But I think this goes back to my point from last chapter that now that the decision's been made, she even says, direct quote, my decision was made. That was the sentence. So now that the decision is made, shouldn't Alice's visions be updating? Shouldn't she just get another like part two of the mirrored room ballet studio vision with Bella in it or something. This whole, oh, the vision depends on when decisions are made thing. Like I'm not buying that. Stephanie's just writing that on the fly. She's just making shit up as she goes. So then she takes another moment. She just think like, oh my God, I'm never going to see Edward again. That's so sad. But then she just sucks it all in, gets over it and goes back out to see Alice with a dull dead look on her face. And she says, "My mum was worried. She wanted to come home, but it's okay. I convinced her to stay away." And, mate, Alice should have heard that you did no such convincing. But Alice just says, "Ah, oh, okay. Well, we'll make sure she's fine, Bella. Don't worry." And and that's it. No follow-ups. No follow-ups at all. But then Bella sees the hotel stationery on the desk, and she gets an idea. Thank God for this hotel stationery. It's really propelling the plot forward. And so she says, oh, Alice, if I write a letter for my mum, could you just like drop it off to her? And Alice is like, yeah, sure. Again, no suspicion, not a single bit of suspicion. And I mean, her mum doesn't have a phone. So I guess letter writing is probably the best mode of communication to speak with Renee, but whatever. So she writes a letter to Edward, not to her mum. She's like, I don't give a shit. And she says, I love you, I'm so sorry. He has my mum. I have to try, it may not work. I'm so, so sorry. Don't be angry with Alice and Jasper. I I, I tried to get away from him. And she says, tell them thank you for me, Alice especially. I was like, all right, well, poor Jasper. What's Jasper, Chop liver? Anyway, and she says, don't come after him. That's what he wants. I couldn't bear it if, Anyone else has to be hurt because of me, especially you. So just don't go and follow James after he kills me. Love you. Bye. And she clearly does not know Edward at all because, of course, if Bella were to die, killed by James, he'd be on the warpath. But no, she just is like, oh yeah, if you love me, you won't go after him. Like, think, think outside your dumb worldview for a second, Bella. So then she folds the letter, puts it in the envelope. And says, oh, I hope he finds it. I hope he understands. And that he'll listen to me just this once. And it's like, yeah, so you're acknowledging that he never listens to you, but you're just putting it out into the world that hopefully he'll listen to you this time. I guess it's the power of positive thinking. Can't begrudge you too much. And <laughs> so she folds out the letter, puts it in the envelope. <laughs> and then the last line of the chapter is, and then I carefully sealed away my heart. Oh, uh. Oh, it's so romantic, but it, uh, I don't, I, uh. sure, sure. I just think she's handling this all wrong. I know James said, don't tell Alice and Jasper or I'll kill your mum, but maybe she could have just told Alice and Jasper. She knows Edward's landing at 9.45. James told her to get there before noon. I think Edward's coming with, with the troops, with, with Emmett and Carlyle as well. So that's five vampires. You know that the, the wild woman, she's, she's still back at Forks. So that's five against one, with him not going to suspect it because he's going to think you're going to play along with him. So I would have said, oh boy, hey, Jasper and Alice, I'm not going to lie to you because one, you can read my emotions and two, you can see my future actions. So just had this random chat with James. He's going to kill my mum. Obviously don't want that to happen. Let's go back to the drawing board for this plan. And I'm sure they'd be like, great idea. Let's loop Emmett, Carlisle, and Edward in on this when they land in a couple of hours. That still gives us plenty of time to ambush James at the house. As if that's not more sensible than writing a shitty letter in the bathroom and going to him. But uh, we'll have to see what happens. She might still confess or they might still pick up on it. And I mean, how is she going to escape from Alice and Jasper? These two vampires with super senses. She's not going to be able to give them the slip, right? Well, wrong. Next chapter's called Hide and Seek. I mean, it, it should be good. We're at the climax of the book here. We might get a whole other chapter, like stuck in a hotel room or stuck in the airport bathroom or something, but we're at the climax. And I'm so glad to be getting towards the end of it, especially because some things are just so fucking dumb. If you agree with me, that she should have just straight up told Alison Jasper, let me know, hit me up on the Twitter. It's at podbreakingdown or at NathanBrown90. You can also send me an email to BreakingDownBadBooks. Wait, no, what's my email address? You can also send me an email to breakingdownpod at gmail.com. You can also visit breakingdownbadbooks.com to check out our merch. And, And we're getting towards the end of this book. So I did put a poll out on Twitter saying like, what should I read next? Should I read New Moon or like 50 Shades of Grey? If you have an idea, hit me up. What do you think? Should I stay on the Twilight train or should I jump over to Fifty Shades since it started out as Twilight fanfic? So it's it's all in the family, really. But I've never read Fifty Shades, so I'm kind of intrigued, kind of intrigued. But my mum did say it's disgusting. So she's read it. (laughs) Would love to hear her thoughts. Maybe I'll interview her for the pod. Anyway, I'll see you next week. Bye.